Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. Hey everyone, this is the Helping Friendly Podcast. This is a quick hit from the July 25th show, um, Baker's Dozen Night 4, I guess. Um, This is RJ. I'm here with Sean and Chris. Chris is is at Weaver NFLF, and if you guys don't know who he is, he works for NFL Films and was an integral part of the Wilson um, documentary phenomenon um, from a couple years ago and um, haven't been on the show before, so thanks for coming on, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And Sean, who's also joining, um, created 
Another cool thing um, for the fish community, which is um, Baker's Beat, and on Twitter it's at Baker's Beat, um, put a lot of content and thought into the run leading up to it and, and adding more stuff every day. So, Sean, that's pretty cool. Thanks for contributing and coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, RJ. So, guys, um, the jam-filled night, obviously. Um, it was. It turned out to be a jam-filled night. Um, from the from the time they announced what flavor it would be until the show, there were hundreds of different songs and theories, and it turns out that mostly they just jammed, which I guess is pretty cool based on um, <laughs> what most fish fans want to see. But do you guys do you guys have thoughts about what your expectations were, kind of going into the going into the show? Chris here, I thought you know they really put themselves out there and said you know it's pretty obvious that they were going to jam that you know last night with the jam filled donut theme, and I think. I think they took a little guts and, and they sort of put themselves out there and they delivered, you know, like that. So I'd say my expectations were pretty high going in, which I try not to normally go in with high expectations, but I think they sort of forced that on us in a good way. I mean, and, uh, they delivered with a, what I think was an instant classic. This is Sean. And, you know, uh, I think we're in a really unique position expectations wise for this whole run, you know, outside of Halloween and new year's Eve, they don't really announce a show concept or theme ahead of time. So I think, this entire run, we've been in new territory. And I know my group of friends, you know, we have a Slack account going and it's just been so fun predicting each night um, what they're going to do. It's a, it's a new way to kind of anticipate the shows. And then with Jamfeld, they could have taken it a few different directions. Like you said, there's a lot of theories. And uh, I was surprised they announced it immediately after the Sunday show to give us so much time, but I was glad that they did. Or I think fans should be, especially that we're out of town, to give them a little bit more time to fly in rather than announce it Tuesday afternoon and for it to be um, too late. And so, um, yeah, I, I mean, expectations were high uh, for me as well because they sort of communicated that jam filled so far in advance. I don't think we got any covers or anything on the theme itself in terms of raspberry and honey and that sort of stuff it was it was pretty jam filled right well yeah chris yeah, they definitely they definitely filled the night with uh jams you know i i sort of had my guesses uh like sean said we you know me and my buddies have been tracking the donuts each day and you know we made our guesses and in the end like you said rj they they just they filled the night with jams i mean from the first song you know the sample they sort of jammed out the middle of it which you know i've never heard i'm not real sure they've ever really done that and, and sort of extended the sample and, and you know kind of announced right away here it is you know this is what we're going to do we're not doing a a cover on the theme we're just gonna we're gonna jam tonight and then obviously they follow up with the lawn boy for the ages so yeah i'd say they uh i'd say they filled the donut quite well last night with some jam <laughs> you know fish has kind of established this routine i think over the first weekend of really to my knowledge pretty much three three songs or three references to the theme each night and i felt that it, you know that last night did fit in with that in the sense that if you were to pick the three references it would be Lawn Boy, almost a half an hour jam. Cross-Eyed and Painless, over a half an hour jam. And then end of session. End of, in parentheses, jam session. Because after the end of, uh, end of session, it was a fairly normal show. And when they came out of end of session into Tuesday, it was very much like coming out of a dream, really. Or, mm -hmm. you know, it felt like we were, like, coming back to a normal show and that the whole, everything that had happened in the previous hour or so was, you know, behind us. And just, like, I can't describe it other, other than like, it felt like a different sense of consciousness almost. It just was like, all of a sudden we woke up and then Tuesday cavern, funky, energetic ending. And then you know, of course the encore, you know, fairly standard and with the wink with the long boy at the end. But um, 
I think I would say end of session truly it was a reference to the theme end of jam session. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, a lot of people on on Twitter this morning were um, postulating about the uh, end of end of sessions, um, given what's going on with Trump and the Attorney General, which I thought was funny. But um, I like I think your explanation is a little bit more um, <laughs> a little bit more on point. But um, you know, you never know. <laughs> They, they're they're very subtle in there when they do address politics, which is not very often. But um, so obviously there's a what five song first set and we're um, we'll play a little bit of the of the lawn boy. But what were, what were you guys thinking about during that set? Like just I mean, I guess during the sample jam, you probably knew what was what was happening. That's what it seemed like from watching the social media conversation. Lawn boy. I was I, I went to the uh, I went to a couple of Chicago shows and I thought they did a really good lawn boy there. And I'm always I always welcome you know, Paige coming to the front of the stage. And yeah, like I said earlier, the sample and jar sort of set the table. And then when uh, Lomboy came on, I, you know, came out and Paige came to the front, I, I don't know that I would have ever guessed or I don't know that anybody could have guessed that they were going to turn that into, you know, a, a type two jam. It's just, it was, it was out of, out of nowhere, but it certainly fit the theme. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think you could ever, uh, I can't imagine them ever topping that lawn boy. And like a lot of people are tweeting now, lawn boy turned into lawn man last night. Like it, it definitely went to <laughs> a, a whole new place that uh, was, was special to say the least. And this is Sean. Um, yeah. I mean, once they started to, to sort of do a different jam on, on sample in a jar, got a big reaction from the crowd, um, you know, and, and instantly when they started playing lawn boy, it's like, Oh, this is going to be the theme. They're going to jam songs that they don't often jam. And maybe to use your guys's phrase, you know, maybe it's going to be a whole bunch of micro jams within the, uh, you know, within songs that aren't often extended. Um, and I, what, uh, what comes to mind is I had interviewed uh, one of my friends, Max Medina for um, Baker's beat yesterday. That interview will be going up later today. And I asked him about a prediction and he said, you know what? Uh, first sets are in play for the rest of the run, and he couldn't have been more right about that. Wow. The first sets are in play, and uh, and so yeah, I mean, with Lawn Boy, what what really stood out to me is, you know, through the half an hour of of that playing, there there's just so many different styles and sections. There were parts where it really felt like, oh, this is a '97, '98 kind of cow funk fish you know it kind of starts out with that you know three minutes five minutes in the beginning and then you know eventually trey comes in with some soaring delay in eight minutes and you know gets 11 minutes down the line it kind of gets a major key kind of more of the blitz jams and then you know back into a cowbell groove mike dropping bombs and it, it and eventually 18 minutes more of the machine gun trey really fast playing 94 more kind of stuff so long story short I feel like throughout that half an hour, you kind of get tastes of all sorts of different modes uh, of fish uh, that they've used for jamming and uh, improvisation throughout their career, really. And they were drawing from all of, you know, they're pulling out all their bags of tricks in that way. And it, it just reminds me that, you know, this run, the Baker's Dozen is really, it's a career retrospective experience for them. You know, they're, yeah, yeah. and not, not only their own career, really, I mean, Every time they play one of these big covers, um, you know, whether it's Velvet Underground or Beatles or whatever in Madison Square Garden, to me it feels like a mini tribute not only to that band but just to the history of rock and roll that they're drawing from all of these different bands and integrating them into their own in this really special experience. You know, it's a very high-profile, you know, concert experience. I, 
I think they're treating it as like this incredible career retrospective. And uh, I think that Lawn Boy, the, the improv in that Lawn Boy kind of epitomizes that. I think we should play a little bit of that Lawn Boy now to give, um, I don't know if there's anyone out there who hasn't heard it, but if there's anyone who hasn't heard it, we'll, we'll play a clip. After we play the Lawn Boy clip, I want to actually just in, insert a little um, recording that we got from a fan from set break. Um, so that gives you a sense of sort of first set highlight and, uh, and a little bit of perspective from the, from the venue. Um, and then we'll come back in a sec and talk about set two and play a little more music. Thank you. 
It is set break, July 25th, 2017. I just sat here in section 306 and watched a five-song first set of all 1.0 songs. When your J card says Lawn Boy, Asterix, Unfinished, you know it's been an absolutely amazing night so far. It's going to be pretty easy to have no repeats during this run if we are doing five-song first sets. This is as good as this fish is going to be. I don't need to hear about some 58-minute runaway gym from 20 years ago. I love nostalgia, but we are in the moment. And in the present, this band is killing us in the most beautiful way possible. Cool. So, guys, um, the the first set we also, you know, we didn't talk too much about the rest of the set. There was some really good, um, really good jamming in, in Bathtub Gin, and then there's the My Friend, of course. But um, given that this is supposed to be a quick hit, um, <laughs> let's move on to set two. And um, I guess, Chris, do you want to do you want to give us a little bit of your perspective on set two? Yeah, I think I, I'll go back to Chicago briefly and, and say that when you know they unveiled the the song Thread in Chicago, we were, you know, me and my crew were. We loved it, and so when when it first started up again here, I was telling my buddies around me who hadn't seen it yet. I'm like, "Yeah, we just saw this. It's it's great. I was I was really excited about it. It's kind of got that rocking ending, and then of course they followed up with that cross eye that was just uh, I thought it was amazing, and uh, you know it, I've I've seen a handful of cross sides, and I, I I gotta say that's probably the best one I can remember. Uh, it's certainly the most memorable. And, uh, yeah, there was a moment, I mean, that's a, what is it, like a 33 minute jam. I can't remember exactly when it was, but somewhere in the middle there, they, you know, when you think of cross-eyed jams, at least me, I think of sort of the hard charging, you know, aggressive jams, yeah. but I, I thought it was, there was really a special moment in the middle there where they sort of opened up and, and I think Fishman dropped out and they, and they sort of let it, let it lie a little bit. And, and I, and I wouldn't call it a tease, but they were sort of teetering on a, what's the use type of feel with that really dark, you know, psychedelic spacey feel and and it was definitely to sean's point earlier sort of this surreal moment that you know and you're talking right in the heart of the second set i mean it's just i i thought it was an excellent cross side and painless and then of course following up with uh you know the always fun maki supa you know that the heart of that set was was un, unforgettable for me at least i would say what my favorite moment from last night and i will i will have this five second kind of sequence in my head forever is when um at the very beginning of of cross-eyed um you know after following thread you know immediately trey counts off one two three four really fast and they go right into cross-eyed and it felt to me that they were playing a little bit faster than usual even and it's so cool to hear in the arena i was in the 200 level section and he said it a little bit into the mic but it, i don't know it seemed like a particularly quiet moment that you know at the end of thread and to hear him say one two three four and count it off like that and boom for them to go into it it's so cool and you can hear on the recording on live fish that for like a second or two no it's very quiet and then there's just this huge delayed reaction and so you know we were full steam ahead after that and i you know i don't think type two goes far enough maybe type four uh that was an incredible <laughs> piece of improvisation type four yeah. was born it, it was just listening back this morning and i will tell you i think people who listen to this know that i um 
I go to bed early because I get up incredibly early with my babies. But um, listening to it this morning, I was impressed. Like you guys said, similar to the to the lawn boy, and in, in how many different um, modes of of improv they went through. I mean, there was a lot going on there, and it was, it was pretty amazing. And um, the I guess the well, I have a question because you know we can talk a little bit about the rest of the show, but there's a lot of conversation today about you know is this the best show of 3.0 is this go in the in the history books so to speak it seems like there's no no question that it goes into the books just because of how unique it was but musically um you know 12 hours later what do you guys think in terms of where this show stacks up um right now chris here i'll, I'll go with this one I, i've been i've been sort of mulling that over the last uh you know 12 hours myself and you know, I didn't see him. T- I see uh, first fish show was '99, so you know, I haven't. I didn't get back into the uh, mid '90s when I think they were really flying. But for me, I, I mean, I got this up there with like you know Nassau '03. I was at that show, uh, Spac '04. Both of those shows. I mean, for me personally, of the you know sixty some odd shows I've seen, I'd put this way up there on the list, easily top five, maybe even like top three. And to your point, not just because of the. Uh, the setup and, you know, the surrounding, uh, elements of it, but musically it was just excellent, you know, and, and this is fish fans want to go into is hear them open up and jam. And, uh, you know, the notion again, I mean, we can't stop talking about this lawn boy as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I just can't, I still can't get over the fact we sat through a half hour lawn boy. It's just amazing. So yeah, I, I've got this show way up there. You know, I, I, I'm not a uh, I'm not a buff on 3.0. I don't know I don't know it inside and out, but for me, it's it's way up on my list of uh, favorite shows that I got to see. Excellent, and Sean, what about you? Yes, it's in that pinnacle kind of a pantheon, you know, category. Along with for me, you know, like the drive-in set and that whole Magnum Ball Saturday comes to mind. Um, you know, the Tahoe Tweezer as a one moment comes to mind, but as a full show start to finish, you know, this this is right up there. I think, you know, a few things for, for me, like at set break, for example, they were playing so well in the first set. I started to begin to wonder, well, man, would they, are they even going to take a break? They're playing so well. I kind of in the back of my head was wondering that it's just one of those nights where, you know, I felt that the entire spectrum of possibilities seemed available. And, uh, and that made me and a few other people think at that break, you know, well, man, well, what else could they change or play with, you know, during this run beyond the songs played? Because pretty much what it comes down to is three things, in my opinion, you know, the songs that they choose to play, number one, two, how they play them. And then number three, sort of the overall structure in which they fit into. So I was, you know, was thinking at that break, man, who know, you know, if they can do this on command, who knows what else they can do it like, Maybe they'll do a long John show and just have one set for two and a half hours. Maybe <laughs> they'll, you know, surprise us with a three-set show, you know, down the line and start like right at seven thirty to fit it all in. Like, and and you know, and I guess another piece of like the proof in the pudding in terms of uh, how historic this show was with it was that the the folks that were I have fish friends of all ages and the people that were texting me most about this show nonstop the oldest and most veteran of my fish fans uh fan nice. friends and nice. i think that, yep. that does something absolutely that's awesome that's great to hear well um guys i feel like you know this is not even scratching the surface of of how important the show is <laughs> but we do um, i know chris you have to run and we we did promise to keep it quick and we've already played some music and we're going to play some more we're going to play one more um fan 
uh, submission of, of an audio recording before we go into the um, section of cross-site and penless. So we'll do that, and people should continue to send those clips in. They're great to get and, and fun for people to hear. Um, Sean, um, before we go, actually, Chris, before we go, any any last words or take on this show? Um, and we'll obviously be revisiting this show many, many times in the future. I, I was sort of, again, mulling over my thoughts on the show, and I was kind of wondering, I'm like, who who's the MVP? You know, sometimes we talk about these sort of things. Who had the best night? And I got to tell you, I, I brought a, uh, a buddy of mine. It was his first fish show. He's a big concert goer, big U2 fan. He's a lot of concerts, and this was his first one, by the way. And so the comment he left there, I was like, well, what do you think of the show? And he loved it, by the way. But the thing he kept saying was the crowd. He's like, I, I just can't believe how into the into the show the crowd is. You know, they're, they're hanging on every note. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's all part of it. But I got to tell you, I thought the crowd last night was excellent. The energy in the room was as good as I can remember to fish show. Again, I'm thinking back to those other shows like Nassau 03 and, and SPAC and, and 04. And I can't recall the room being that, that juiced for the show like it was last night. And, I, and if I had to give an MVP, I'd give it to the fans last night. Excellent. Great. Sean, what about you? Any last takes? Yeah, two quick things. Uh, So I think there's a saying, you know, it might be from Motown, but it's probably in the Bible and Bhagavad Gita and other holy books, too. And that's you got to give the people what they want. (laughs) And uh, your poll, (laughs) of course, shows what the people wanted. And that was jamming. And so it, it felt so good that, you know, the whole still waiting, I kind of felt like that was in reference. Like we were, we were still waiting for them to pull a show like this and to just go for it. Um, so that was really fun. And then second, of course, you know, to me it was Fish's humorous side on full display, you know, picking the most innocent vessel possible, Lawn Boy, and just blowing it out of the water with an intensely psychedelic and wide-ranging you know, half an hour of improv. So, uh, And then coming back to it at the end, so I think – you know, Fish's humor aside is alive and well, and that's a big reason why I was drawn to the band originally and what separates them from other rock and roll bands. Amazing. That's great. I like that both of that, um, both of your comments were, were focused on the, the fans, and I think, um, you know, we, we play an important role too. But, um, man, and, and you guys might have heard our conversation yesterday with Felicia um, about Federal Donuts and, and, you know, how they – They've contributed so much to this atmosphere and this um, this run musically, and um, it's just great because our community can contribute so much. And um, on that note, I guess I would say thank you both for your contributions to the community. Chris, your work on the Wilson um, piece for NFL Films was amazing, and um, I think still is is super fun to watch. And and Sean, thanks for um, putting together Baker's Beat to kind of keep us all informed and, and keep content coming on this and. Um, it's cool. This is great. It, it's awesome that this run is showing so much of our community. So um, thank you, guys. Hey, thanks again for thank having me. I appreciate it. See you all soon. What's up, guys? So jam-filled night at Baker's Dozen was unbelievable. Uh, probably the best 3.0 show I've seen and definitely the best since the Fuck Your Face show 2012. It's X. Everyone's going to talk about Lawn Boy. And everyone's going to talk about Cross-Eyed, which I definitely heard some mountain jam in. Uh, but don't sleep on Fuego. Don't sleep on that sample opener. My friend Stash, man, it was a hell of a night. Can't wait to come back and listen to a bunch of this stuff. Also, highly recommend the Chase Bridges. We had an absolute blast up there last night. The sound quality was fantastic. Great sight lines. Tons of room to groove. We'll see you tonight for Powered Sugar Night. Peace out. 
car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
Ryan, I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.